Our scripture reading for today is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Listen now to the word of the Lord. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you. Thank you. It's good to see everyone. Thank you for uh, making it on time this morning. I wasn't sure if everyone would remember to be here an hour early, so it's good to see uh, everyone. And again, I want to remind you that immediately following our service today, we will have the beginning of our Lenten FG, and so I hope you will all stay and participate uh, in that. Please pray with me. Uh, Lord, we thank you again for this day uh, as we now enter into this first Sunday of the Lenten season. Help us to remember the cross, to remember your suffering as we journey together now toward Easter. And now as we hear your word, O oh Lord, help us to listen with attentive hearts, with a willing spirit, that we may know your word for us, and in that word, find our lives. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So today is the first Sunday of Lent. As you know, Lent is a time for self-reflection, 40 days of soul-searching and contemplation as we journey to the cross in preparation for Easter. 
The word Lent itself is related to lengthen because Lent begins as the days begin to get longer and lengthen with the approaching spring. So even though Lent carries a gloomy reputation of fasting and giving up of chocolates made worse by the pandemic, Lent is ultimately hopeful as it looks toward the lengthening of days into the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Tony Campolo used to preach years ago, popularizing the words of his pastor, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You might recall that our observance of Lent last year was thrown into a bit of chaos with the unexpected arrival of the COVID-19 virus. It's hard to believe that we've been in some form of lockdown now for nearly a year. Several of my colleagues are now using the language of trauma to describe our year-long experiences, and I don't think it's an exaggeration. I know it's been an incredibly challenging and exhausting year for most of you, physically, mentally, and spiritually. But perhaps some of you are now allowing yourself to feel a bit of synchronous optimism in this season of Lent, as you sense what looks like perhaps the beginnings of the end of the pandemic. Now over the past year, we've had to figure out what it means for us to be a church online. We are still in the process of reimagining how to do worship, to do fellowship, to serve our neighbors virtually. We continue to struggle with what it means for us to be the body of Christ and yet not be able to gather together bodily. We have faced the dangers and the temptations of a disembodied Christianity, of disconnection, of self-isolation and apathy. And at the same time, we've also come to appreciate in a far deeper way the value of community, of physicality, and of simply being together. So during this Lenten season, I thought it would be good for us to reconsider what it means for us to be the church. More specifically, what does it mean for you to be a member of the body of Jesus Christ, the church? It is my hope and prayer that through these 40 days of self-examination and reflection, we will all renew our commitments to Jesus Christ and to one another in light of the promises we make or have made as members of the body of Jesus Christ, the church. Let me begin by reminding you of what our book of order says about membership in the church. I'd like for all of you to read the first two sentences um, out loud with me. Membership in the church of Jesus Christ is a joy and privilege. It is also a commitment to participate in Christ's mission. Membership is a joy and a privilege and a commitment. A faithful member 
witness to God's love and grace and promises to be involved in the response to be involved responsibly in the ministry of Christ's church. Such involvement includes, and here's some of the ways that you get involved. Proclaiming the good news in word and deed, taking part in the common life and worship of a congregation, lifting one another up in prayer, mutual concern and active support, studying scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life, supporting the ministry of the church through the giving of money, time and talents, demonstrating a new quality of life within and through the church, responding to God's activity in the world through service to others, living responsibly in the personal, family, vocational, political, cultural, and social relationships of life, working in the world for peace, justice, freedom, and human fulfillment, caring for God's creation, participating in the governing responsibilities of the church, and the last one is this, reviewing and evaluating regularly the integrity of one's membership and considering ways in which one's participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. So that's what we'll be doing together during this Lenten season, reviewing and evaluating the integrity of our membership and considering ways in which participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. Now at the end of every year, at our annual session and staff retreat, we go through every name on our membership list. And in that process, we remove from our membership roles those people who have asked to be removed because they have moved far away to a place that shall not be named. We also attempt to contact those people who did not participate in our worship and service at all or very rarely during the year to see if they want to still remain on the rolls or to be removed. When I contact those folks, occasionally I get greatly encouraged as some formerly inactive members return to more regular worship and service after being reminded about their membership. But more often, understandably, I suppose, I get ghosted and get no response at all. And then there are those people who want to remain a member even though they did not participate in any worship or service during the past year and have no real plans to do so in the future. It seems to me that some people like the idea, but not the reality of belonging to a church. I can recall, for example, a few former members who would only come to church whenever their parents were in town visiting them to maintain the illusion to reassure their parents that they were still Christians and attending church, which they weren't. 
I've also had more than a few awkward conversations with first-generation parents asking me how their adult children were doing, believing that they were active members of our church when I knew that they were infrequent visitors at best. Occasionally, I didn't even recognize who they were talking about because they had probably just visited a few times. And in those situations, I would just smile and apologize in a mumbled Korean and let them believe that I was just a terrible pastor because I couldn't even remember the name of the members of my church. Then there are those people who like to attend church regularly, but just occasionally. There are those folks, for example, known as CEO Christians. CEO standing for Christmas and Easter only. Or if you're more up to date and hip in your Christianese, you might know them as Christers, a portmanteau of Christmas and Easter. According to the Urban Dictionary, Christers are those Christians who only show up to religious services on Christmas and Easter, as in, we better get to church early this morning if you want to see with all the priesters, it's going to be standing room only. Then there are those folks who like to just make guest appearances at baptisms, weddings, and funerals. Over the years, I've had people write me that they still consider themselves a part of our church, even though they didn't even know the name of our church. Others have told me that they didn't realize that attending worship services was a part of what it meant to be a member. Still, others told me that they want to remain a member because they just like receiving the Wednesday word. As you have probably heard before, on a typical Sunday, less than half of a church's membership shows up for worship. It's quite saddening for me to think about this because it means that people either forgot or never understood what it means to be a member of a church. Now, this is not about trying to get more members or having a bigger crowd on a Sunday uh, service. It's about discipleship or the lack thereof. It seems to me that some people treat church membership like membership in a health club right? People often sign up in January to fulfill their New Year's resolution to lose some weight. They go faithfully for a few days or perhaps for a few weeks. But by February, many people get busy with other commitments and they stop going, but they keep their membership. Even though they never go, they keep telling themselves that they will start exercising again regularly soon. Why? Because they tell themselves and perhaps others too, that they are the kind of person who takes care of their health with disciplined exercise. A few of my minister friends have told me that some people in their churches want to keep their membership because they want to have a Christian funeral as if faith only matters in death and not in life. And still more recent phenomena 
is that people hop from one church to another, taking whatever is useful for themselves without giving anything back. They like the small group in one church, the preaching in another, the pastoral care in a third, the VBS in a fourth, the praise band in a fifth, and the youth group in a sixth. That's an exaggeration, of course. But people shop for a church or church programs from a ch- as if it were a menu, and they pick a la carte. They take and consume promiscuously without any sort of commitment to any one body. In the coming weeks, as we review and evaluate the integrity of our membership, I hope you will consider ways in which your participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. So today, let me just share with you what it means to be a member of a church. In our reading today, Peter says that we are to come to God as living stones because Jesus Christ is the living stone. And not only is Jesus the living stone, but Peter says he's the cornerstone, the chosen and precious stone, the stone of offense or a stumbling block. Jesus Christ alone is the foundation of our living and of our living together. We are each connected to Jesus Christ in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And therefore, we are connected one to another. And God himself is building us up together as a spiritual house. You and I can have no life apart from the living stone, Jesus Christ, and therefore no life apart from one another. The Christian life is singularly Christ-centered and intensely community-oriented. Peter gives us this beautifully multifaceted description of what it means to be a member of the church, the spiritual house of God. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We were once not a people, but now we are God's people. We are God's people by the mercies of God and the righteousness of God. And it is through the waters of baptism, the sign and seal of our incorporation into the body And God has declared that you and I are linked inseparably to Christ and to one another. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. To follow Jesus Christ is to be a part of a community of faith. There is no other way. St. Augustine, in his well-known Confessions, 
tells this story about the conversion of a well-known pagan order by the name of Victorinus. Victorinus was a man of great learning, someone who had taught members of the Roman Senate and who even had a statue of himself in the Roman Forum. Augustine writes, Victorinus read the Holy Scriptures, so Simplicianus told me, and made the most painstaking and careful study of Christian literature. Privately, as between friends, though never in public, he would say to Simplicianus, I want you to know that I am now a Christian. Simplicianus used to say, I shall not believe it or count you a Christian until you until I see you in the church of Christ. At this, Victorinus would laugh and say, is it then the walls of the church that make the Christian? Victorinus was unwilling to make a public confession or profession of Christ because he would have been ridiculed by his pagan society. He thought he could be a secret Christian apart from the church and avoid the scorn of his community. But eventually, Victorinus came to realize that this was not possible. And one day, he told his friend that he would go to church with him, and he was baptized. It's not that the walls of a church make a Christian, but that one cannot be a Christian apart from the church, the body of Christ. Among the documents in our book of confession, is the Westminster Confession of Faith. And in it, we find these words. The visible church, not the invisible church, but the church that you see, the concrete, the real church, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion and of their children. The visible church is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the house and family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Outside the visible church, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. In commenting on this, Stanley Harouse writes in After Christendom, such salvation is not meant to confirm what we already know and or experience. It is meant to make us part of a story that could not be known apart from exemplification in the lives of people in a concrete community. In other words, being a Christian and being in a church are practically speaking synonymous. The story of God and the story of salvation cannot be known apart from others in the body of Christ. Scripture is quite clear that to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a functioning, active member in the body of Jesus Christ. It is not an option. It is not an option. Biblical writers could not even conceive of such a possibility. Membership in a church is simply a natural sign of discipleship. Now, I'm not here talking about having some legal membership in a church, 
but, but about being an active, an active participant in the life of a faith community. Too many people treat membership in a church flippantly as if it were like casual dating rather than as a serious and firm commitment like a marriage covenantal vow. Some people go and come as they please, as the mood strikes them. Some people don't want to deal with the realities of church, of relationships, and the messiness of people's lives. So they come to church, they listen to a sermon, maybe get a few life lessons, and they think that they've worshipped and pleased God, and they go home and pursue their own personal ambitions and interests without a care for the body of Christ to which they should belong. That is not what it means to be a Christian. Consider the profound cost and sacrifice that enables you and me to be a part of this body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is not to make you feel guilty or to feel obligated, but to let you know the extraordinary love with which our membership, our part in the body of Christ is possible. Your belonging to Jesus Christ and to one another is incredibly valuable. It means something. And let me remind you again that all the yous here are plural. You all are not your own. You, the church of Jesus Christ, were bought with a price. It's an incredible privilege for you and I to be members of the body of Christ. And we dare not treat our part in the body frivolously or carelessly. To say that you don't want to be committed to a church or that you are okay with occasionally showing up for worship or that you don't want to serve with the church is to disdain, is to disdain the sacrifice of Christ and the call to ordinary discipleship. Now, I know that some of you who are listening are not members of our church or of any church. And I want you to know that I am thankful for you and that you are always welcome to continue to join us for worship and service. But it is also my hope and prayer that you will give membership some serious consideration during this Lenten season as an act of discipleship. And those of you who are members of this church, I want to remind you that you took a vow when you became a member and received the right hand of fellowship. In that service, I asked each of you four constitutional questions, the last of which is this. Will you be a faithful member of this congregation? 
share in its worship and ministry through your prayers and gifts, your study and service, and so fulfill your calling to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And each of you replied, I will with God's help. You took a vow. You made a covenant. I call you back to this vow. Be a faithful member and share in our worship and ministry. If you have not been very active lately, the season of Lent is a great time to restart and renew your vows. Don't be a creaster. Whatever excuses you've had, whether busyness, exhaustion, lukewarmness, backsliding, recommit yourself to Jesus and to one another. Now in the coming weeks, we'll consider some more specific ways in which one's participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. But today, today, I want to invite you to stick around and join us. Join one another for the Lenten FGs. Share your life with one another. Catch up with one another. Even if you're tired of Zoom, muster up the courage to be together and relish the time that we have during Lent. Stake out this time to feed your soul. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this season of Lent to especially